And now it's time to uh, hand over to Sam Tucker, who's going to be opening up uh, God's word for us. It's been great to plunge into the book of Revelation. I hope you've enjoyed discussing that in your life groups and uh, reading it through. We've come to chapter four uh, that Sam's going to be opening up. And uh, I just want to thank you, Sam. Uh, many of you know that Sam is one of our elders at Life Church. Uh, uh, he also used to be on staff one day a week, and uh, over the last um, uh, term, he's transitioned back to full-time work with the police uh, because there's been a particular job opportunity coming up there. And uh, I just want to commend you, Sam. We do miss having you around the staff team and uh, in the office uh, on a regular basis, but we're so grateful that you continue to be part of our team. And uh, uh, you're such an example of somebody who stands uh, in the middle of society, particularly in your job. Uh, as a police officer and uh, the way that you've continued to serve Life Church and the way that you um, make a difference uh, in the city, particularly Peterborough, is such an inspiration and uh, we want to thank you for that. So over to Sam uh, and uh, we look forward to what you have to say to us. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm just going to jump right in uh, looking again at uh, the book of Revelation. We're in chapters four and five today, although primarily I'm going to be focusing in on chapter five. Uh, these two chapters are a uh, wonderful, rich description of the throne room of God. And uh, predominantly chapter four is uh, is John describing this wonderful image that he sees of of the throne in heaven. Uh, uh, but I'm going to focus in much more on chapter 5, which is uh, really about um, he, he who is sat on the throne. And uh, we want to learn a lot about Jesus through uh, this series. We're going to uh, be constantly confronted afresh with uh, with him and, and what he's done and, and how he's seen in heaven and how that should ignite our hearts afresh as we uh, consider him. Um, but just briefly, it'd be good just to touch on uh, chapter four. If you've got a, a Bible, feel free to turn to it. Uh, but what John is trying to do here really is to describe the indescribable. I don't know about you, uh, if you were to think of the most fantastic place you've been to. Uh, for me, it would be Lake Garda. And uh, Lake Garda, I would love to try and describe to you uh, the sheer beauty of Lake Garda, the size of uh, uh, the lemons that grow on trees, the, uh, the snow on the top of some of the mountains, the, the wonderfully, beautifully clear water uh, in the lake, or... Uh, even the pizza that you can smell and taste walking around some of the towns uh, in Lake Garda. Well, I would do my best to try and describe that to you. But unless you were there, unless you experienced it in the same way as I did, it would uh, probably fall flat in comparison. And I think what John does uh, in this uh, first chapter, chapter four, is John tries really hard to to uh, describe to us something which is just uh, wowing and uh, really uh, like John I've been trying to uh, try and piece out some parts of this image I've been trying to dwell a little bit on different parts of this image and this is what I would encourage you to do this week we're not going to spend much time in this chapter but uh, but really just trying to think through uh, some of the pictures that John gives us, some of the uh, examples that he gives us. He kind of focuses in on a couple of areas as he's looking around this wonderful image, thinking, well, how am I going to write this down? And allowing this image to uh, to shape our hearts, uh, to, to really sink in as we uh, see what heaven looks like. 
to try and grasp a little bit more about what it means, uh, what, what, what God is like through this image. Let me give you some examples. So uh, John speaks of a, a complete rainbow, a rainbow that is over the throne in heaven. Now you, uh, like me, probably get fairly uh, excited and giddy about the idea of a faded partial rainbow. Uh, but John says there's a, there's a complete rainbow over God's throne. Well, I, I've been reading that this week and uh, just kind of just staring at what, what that would look like. Uh, and it's a picture, isn't it? Uh, a rainbow is a picture of of God's mercy, uh, of his complete uh, and ultimate promise. That, that The first rainbow, that's the sign of that, wasn't it, when we saw that after the ark. Uh, it's a wonderful truth, and, 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 he's, and he's painted it over his throne, that, that God is merciful, uh, that his promises are faithful. And then a bit further down, uh, John describes a, a clear and still uh, sea that is like glass. Now, I don't know what... Uh, about you, whether you've seen a sea like that, we uh, we love to go to Swanage. We couldn't go this year, but I've been reading up and watching other people go. And I see that this week there's been warnings to keep away from the seafront. It's too dangerous. The sea is wild and out of control. Uh, but John says that there's a sea before God's throne, which is still. Uh, it's, it's, it's not dirty. Either. It's, it's clear. It's like glass. And uh, it just reminded me as I was reading that of God's peace of his sovereignty, of his control. Uh, maybe you, you've had a, a week where you feel like, oh, you know, everything seems out of control. Everything seems wild and, and like the waves in Swanage. And yet you can read these verses and know that there's a God in heaven whose throne, before his throne, there's a still sea. Uh, it's a picture of peace. And so I want to really encourage you to, to look into that this week, to, to, to consider these things in these verses, Revelation chapter 4. Maybe just spend some time uh, thinking about particular parts of that image and uh, allowing yourself to stare at them. But let's read together in Revelation chapter 5. We're going to read the whole chapter and then we're going to pick out some things from this chapter as we go through. It says this, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look inside it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowl full of incense, which was the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard 
around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, be honour, uh, be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Amen. These uh, chapters, uh, this chapter is like a pinnacle within the book of Revelation. Uh, it's something that causes heaven to erupt in worship. There's a scroll that has been sealed. This scroll is, uh, it is locked down with seven seals. There's no way of it being broken. What, what is this scroll about? Well, it's, it's God's plan for his creation. It's, it's his redemption, the renewal of all things, his rule and reign uh, being, uh, being written about and the things that are to come, the things that he had planned for his creation. But it's been locked, it's been sealed and it can't be opened. Who is worthy to break the seal? Well, no one on earth, no one uh, in heaven, no Bible hero, no king, no one can do enough. There is silence. I mean, I, I try and picture this scene of, of, of heaven kind of erupting in worship, as we've seen in, in chapter four. If you read that in a bit more detail, you see that like an eruption of worship. And yet, and yet now there's, no, there's silence as heaven considers the fact there's nobody able uh, to open uh, the scroll. I, I I was kind of picturing it a bit like a, a football crowd. I really, really miss a football crowd uh, where it's kind of like the most people that I'm surrounded by all shouting, singing, chanting. There's there's noise, there's there's excitement. And then suddenly there's there's silence like we're in at the moment. This season that we're in at the moment is sad. And uh, John says he weeps. He weeps. It's like they've run out of answers. There's no hope left. There's um, uh, you know, he's right to weep at this. And uh, I think what this does, what this uh, early couple of verses do for us is really capture the reality of sin. It's important that we understand this, the, uh, the, the way that, 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 that everything is locked down because of sin. Like sin has an impact. It's important that we understand that reality, that we understand that impact. And we see this with this picture of heaven. And maybe even in our own lives as well, we see the way that sin can, can lock us down. That life can be locked down by sin. Uh, sin has an effect. It, it keeps us distant from God. It locks us away from him and his purposes. And there's a, a reality. There's an effect that is, is felt from sin. And it's right that we understand this. We, we see this very vivid image uh, in heaven. Silence. Uh, nobody able to... Uh, to um, redeem themselves, nobody able through uh, living a good life to uh, to be able to uh, break these seals, and 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 John weeps at this image, and we we too we, we must really grasp the reality of what sin looks like. Who is worthy? There's no reply. Uh, maybe uh, you too have experienced uh, uh, that kind of silence. I think sometimes it's important to kind of mention this, that um, uh, maybe your, your view of, uh, of life is that, you know, actually at the moment I'm feeling like this, this sense of silence. I'm feeling like, 
Um, where is God in this situation? Well, there's a lack of hope, maybe. Well, this is what we see in this, uh, in this brief image. That there's a lack of hope uh, that has caused heaven to fall silent. And John weeps. He, he weeps. We must fully understand this contrast before we see the importance of the next uh, phrases that are said as one of the elders uh, says to John, weep no more. Weep no more. The lion has triumphed. Take heart. In the middle, in amongst the, this place of pain and desperation, there is a voice and the voice says he has conquered. He has conquered. And we want to learn much about who this person is, this person, Jesus, who has conquered. There is a, a very vivid description that we see in these verses. Jesus is described in two ways. Firstly, he's described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a very uh, powerful image that we'll look at a little bit. And then also he's described as the lamb, the lion and the lamb. Two very conflicting, uh, contrasting images uh, that describe the person of Jesus. So firstly, let's look at the lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, this is a, a, a title that has huge historical significance. It's the culmination of, of history, the promised Messiah who would come right back at the beginning. Uh, it is promised that the Messiah would come from the line of Eve, that, that there would be a Messiah that would come, that would break the effect of sin, that would stamp on the head of the serpent, the, the, the ultimate enemy. There would be a, a Messiah who would come to to right the wrong of sin, to bring a change to this reality. And then we, uh, as we read through the Old Testament, uh, there's uh, tribes with the people of, of Israel and, and Jacob, when he's talking to, to his uh, sons, he, he has a son, Judah, he's his fourth son. And he says, Judah, your tribe is like a lion. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Your, your tribe will be like a lion. Through your tribe, there'll be a Messiah, a king. Uh, who will come. And Judah's tribe would, would steward this until the day that the true king would come. It's, it's from his line. Revelation also talks about the line of, of uh, uh, the root of David, uh, that, that, that this king, this lion would come from the root of David. He would be a descendant of David. The clues throughout history, uh, the clues throughout the Old Testament, it's a bit like guess who, where the only person that you're left with is Jesus. But also we see in the, in the picture the fact that this is a lion. Lions speak of majesty. They speak of strength, of kingship, of authority. This is a strong image of who Jesus is, the promised one throughout history, the one who all throughout the Old Testament, there's whispers of him coming. And, uh, and then he's a lion as well. He's a lion. He's going to be a king. He's going to be the savior. There's, you know, this is a strong image. Weep no more. Take heart. He has conquered. The lion has conquered. So you can imagine John now turning, expecting to see a lion, but instead he sees a lamb. Not just a lamb, not just any lamb. Uh, he sees a lamb who has been slain. This lamb has been slain. He's marked by the fact that he's been slain. He, he was dead, but he's no longer dead. It says uh, that, that wonderfully that this lamb isn't kind of cowering in the corner. It says that the lamb is standing. Okay, so he's he has conquered. This lamb has conquered. Augustine, uh, one of the early church fathers, says that 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 Jesus endured death 
as a lamb, but he devoured it as a lion. You know, this is the same person. This is the same image that we see. But we must uh, understand that the, the image of the lamb is very different in contrast to the lion. It doesn't speak of the same level of authority or, or kingship. It, in fact, it speaks more of sacrifice. That was the image of a lamb that uh, throughout the Bible we see uh, repeatedly this image of lambs being offered as sacrifice, as a as an attempt to try and make up for uh, the the price that uh, needs to be paid that, that, that they were they were killed in place of 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 that price that they uh, they were that sacrifice and uh, and so lambs speak of sacrifice and so we have this kind of strong image of a of a lion and now we have this humble image of a lamb. Uh, the Bible says that we should expect this. Talking of Jesus, Isaiah says uh, that he'll be led like a lamb to the slaughter. I mean, this is this is the Messiah. This is Jesus uh, who uh, heaven is singing about. But I think it's really important that we do see the uh, vivid nature of this image. Verses six and six talks about the fact this this lamb has got seven horns. That's a that's an image of victory. Okay, the, the, the horn is, a, is an image of victory throughout the Bible. And the fact that it's seven horns uh, it shows that it's a complete victory. It's a complete victory over sin. Nothing, no uh, sin is beyond his victory. Uh, and we need to know that. We see that, as I said, he's, he's, he's not broken. He, he, he has the, the scars, the marks that he is slain, but he's standing. He's standing in heaven. I think this is a wonderful uh, image that we see. He's positioned on the throne. That, that There's weeping, but then Jesus the Messiah comes. Jesus comes and there's hope. There's hopelessness. Now when he comes, there's hope. Without him, there's silence. Now uh, there is worship and triumph. Uh, before, there was sorrow, but th- there was tears, but they've been turned to joy and laughter. This is the gospel, friends, uh, that without Jesus, there is no hope. With him, there is hope. Uh, and we see that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, because uh, our, the King Jesus, uh, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, came as a lamb who, who died a death on the cross in our place. He has ransomed uh, our lives. He has ransomed by his blood. Uh, and he has won a victory over sin and death through defeating death in his resurrection. So today we can know the hope of this conquering Christ. We can know that the hope of him, the culmination of history uh, is found in him. Hallelujah. So there's a few things I just wanted to highlight as we kind of uh, land uh, this wonderful uh, chapter. We see uh, the way in which that this is like the culmination of history. As I said, like history is is working towards this pinnacle moment when the lamb uh, would come, that the lamb would be slain, that when when his blood would ransom for us, pay the price for us for sin. Uh, there's this culmination, history moving towards this point. There's a, a present reality now as we think actually this is this is the, what is happening in heaven now. This is an image of, of heaven, of the worshipped uh, slain lamb who is standing in heaven. But also there's something more for us too, an application for us as we think, well, how do we live in light of this now? And there's a few things that I just wanted to, to highlight for us in this short time uh, that we're together. I, I was really impacted. If we look at verse eight, we see this wonderful picture of uh, of the fact that in heaven there are gold bowls filled with incense, and the elders are holding them, and there's a, a wafting smell throughout heaven. 
Uh, and, and Revelation uh, talks about the fact that, that the incense is the prayers of the saints. Isn't that amazing? That there's a, there's a smell in heaven. There's a, that there's a smell in heaven and it's the smell of your and my, my prayers to God. It, it, it's a smell of, of my deepest longings. It's a, it's a smell of my deepest praise to him. It's a smell of my quietest whisper. Uh, that, that I, I just found this really uh, striking that, that my, my prayers are ponging out heaven. Uh, that, that that's that's the the kind of nature that because Jesus has won this victory, is the Bible talks about the fact that He's our great High Priest. We can come before God with our our deepest requests, with our greatest longings. I want to really encourage you when we've just been praying together this morning. This is not just a going through the motions type thing. This is that the Bible says that there's it's like incense. Uh, in the nostrils of our saviour that he is smelling the prayers of the saints i think that's wonderful and so i want to really encourage you with that uh to to bring uh to 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 know that you can boldly approach him in prayer i want to really encourage you with that secondly i was really excited by verse 10 when it talks about uh the fact that there's there's all this stuff happening in heaven there's all this stuff to be uh to 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 worship and to to marvel at and yet also we see that there's a mention of mission there's a mention of uh, the fact that that what Jesus has done has been to win a people for himself that he's he's united uh, priesthood and kingship together uh, and as his people we're uh, to reign on earth and uh, now what does that look like well well the bible in other places tells us to to see his kingdom come in a broken world and and friends I I don't know about you, but I've been really excited by something like this. That's, uh, uh, you know, as, as all of heaven's attention is on the slain lamb, the, uh, as they're singing worship, they're, they're also talking about the fact that Jesus has, uh, is gathering up an army for himself. He's, he's gathering up a, a mission. He's recruiting us to proclaim this wonderful news to the nations, that there was never a better time uh, to, for us here in Peterborough to to declare the hope that is found in the slain lamb uh, friends I think we should be uh, looking at these verses and also looking ahead and thinking uh, well you know Jesus uh, Jesus kingdom is an everlasting kingdom it's a kingdom with no end and and he's called us he's recruited us into his mission to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven isn't that wonderful and then also, ultimately, there is this wonderful, beautiful picture of worship. Uh, the truth of salvation causes hundreds of millions of angels, myriads of myriads of angels, uh, uh, to sing out their praise. Layers of, of worship rippling out from the throne. I mean, just, just a wonderful, wonderful image. The same worship that was due to the Father is now due to the Son, Jesus. A, a noise, a, a, the volume that worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Just repeat it over and over again because, you know, what else can we say? Worthy are you, Jesus. The Lamb's praise fills uh, heaven forever. And I think wonderfully as well, it talks about the fact that this is a forever and ever forever and ever this is a, a, a an everlasting thing that that what jesus has done is not a temporary victory it's a it's an eternal conquering of sin it's eternal smashing of the teeth of death it's a it's a victory that has no end and uh, looking at these words even forever and ever uh, translated i think it much better tra translated would be age and age uh, 
It's like in this age and in the age to come, and in the age to come, and in the age to come. And I, and I found quite a lot of uh, hope uh, reading uh, those last few words like that, knowing that in this age, in this age where nothing seems to be going as any of us would plan, that uh, this age in history, as in the age before, he has a victory. And uh, in the age to come, he will have a victory. You know, the church is on Zoom and all the other challenges that we have, but he has a victory. Our, our king has a victory. And it's a victory that lasts now and will last forevermore, once and for all. And I want to just land by saying, friends, this, this has a huge impact for us. There are three ways in which we can respond to this. One, it might be that this morning you just want to boldly approach him afresh. Maybe you want to pray out a, a prayer of, of thanksgiving to him, or, or maybe you want to just boldly approach him freshly with, with fresh hope as you look upon this risen lamb on the throne fresh hope that he has brought uh, you know you've experienced his silence but you need to know hope well maybe you want to boldly approach him uh, as we've seen what a wonderful beautiful image or maybe you feel that actually i want to be freshly ignited and freshly excited to go out and speak of this hope that we have but ultimately i would love for us to land in a place of worship as we spend some time now uh, reflecting on this image the wonderful uh, savior that we have the lion of the tribe of judah who was conquered but he is conquered as a lamb a lamb who appeared as if slain what a wonderful beautiful image thank you jesus uh, for your goodness to us thank you jesus uh, for your victory for us the fact that your blood has ransomed our sin and we might know hope amen I hope you've been encouraged by this morning. It's been great to join with you together uh, on Zoom. Uh, 